0: Laura Keane and this is the Unlocking Your Potential podcast with Ask Europe. And today I am here talking to our Managing Director, Alex, Alex Speed. Hello, Alex.
1: Hi. It's very exciting, isn't it? <laughs> very
0: exciting. Um, and so I'd, we'd get you in to kind of talk to the audience, many of whom would have spoken to you, but probably in kind of more formal settings about what we do, why we do it and why we're a bit different, really, and also find out a little bit more about you and why you're doing the job that you do. Do you
1: think people want to know about me?
0: I do. Yeah, <laughs> so let's, let's do that. Let's start with that. Why, why L&D? Why oh, are you doing this job?
1: What a, what a, what a huge question to yep. start on. Um, why not? It's great, isn't it? <laughs> like, no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, no, it is, like yeah. When you start yeah. to really live and breathe this stuff, how many other jobs give you that sense of satisfaction where we're really making a difference i started my career in accountancy it couldn't be more different qualified as an accountant um that was my formative years worked in corporate it was all quite easy that was what sort of lent myself to that that's my that's my um you know my preferences would lean that way Many of our psychologist friends would have sure great time looking at that. But 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 like anyone in business, you start then to lead people, you start to manage people, and you've got to learn mm. a different set of skills. Yeah. And I loved that. I found mm. it fascinating that actually, what makes businesses successful is it's people. Yeah. Not the technical ability. That's important. Mm. But how we lead and motivate our teams and how we uh, inspire our our. People that work with us and for us. And that's what makes for great organisations. And I found myself working then for an L&D company, albeit in education sector. We yeah. were developing school leaders and head teachers and SENCOs and these sort of things. And I just loved it. I loved everything about it. And I could see the parallels in my own job. Yeah. And I could feel myself becoming a better leader right. because of what we were doing as an organisation. I was feeding off the, the consultants and the people I worked with. Um, and then... Uh, Landed here, and uh, <laughs> ten years later, I find myself, uh, yeah, having not started in L and D. But now, I very much carry- I, I'm not an accountant anymore. I wouldn't no. even, you know, that's that feels like a lifetime ago. And now it's L and D.
0: That's such an interesting journey because my background's HR, yeah, as you know. um, and there are obvious routes from HR into L and D. Not that it was ever a particular plan of mine. It's something I just fell into. But we work with lots and lots of people who come through the business in different places so they're, they're experts, technical experts in different areas, and you having made that leap into L and d I think is a really interesting parallel with some of the stuff that we run so mm. the kind of expert to leader stuff that we run yeah um, which a lot of organizations don't do, do they it's like you're you're an expert, you're great, we'll promote you to a people manager and off you go yeah.
1: And maybe for me, um, the the journey's been very useful for here. I mean, if you you take most organisations, you're going to struggle to find anyone more technically minded than you finance people right yeah, yeah, you know yeah. certainly you know fds we are characterized and stereotypically as being those introverts you know <laughs> yeah. everyone's an istj on the mbti yes. types yes. um and yet although it's a stereotype we laugh about you see it you see it over yeah. and over and yeah. over you see that almost everyone is an istj if we want to Put much credence in MBTI, which yeah. is a conversation for another podcast. Yes. That's what um, I'll talk to Debbie about. Yeah, like, exactly. I bring Debbie in. Um, yeah. But certainly, <laughs> introversion is a strong trait, uh, mm. and that uh, all of those things that go with that—that—that that, that desire for um, you know neatness, correctness, yeah. your, those reconciliations that you do—everything's got an end purpose and an end goal. But you find yourself then. Um, having to learn a whole new skill set you've got to influence people I used to say you know when talking about finance I don't dwell on accountancy too much but (laughs) anyone can be an accountant and and you'll meet hundreds of people that can put together a set of numbers but can you translate what they mean can you then influence the people that need to know what does that mean for my business what's the story it's telling yeah um so I had to learn a whole set of skills that go far beyond being brilliant at you know spreadsheets and numbers and actually learn to deal with people yeah and that didn't come naturally to me Mm -hmm. and I like that journey that it took me on that it was pulling me out of my comfort zone um and that's the point I'm making I think those sort of the more technical we find ourselves, probably the less our people skills are rounded.
0: And I yeah. enjoyed that
1: journey I went yeah. on to have to become better. And I still work at it every day. I have to work at it every day because it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. A spreadsheet, all day long. <laughs> but,
0: uh, <laughs> well, and a spreadsheet tends to have a right or wrong answer, doesn't it? Oh, it's, there's a yes or a no, which is the same in lots of technical disciplines, isn't there? You know, if you look at engineering or science yes. or, or whatever, there is a yes, no answer. And if you work really hard, you'll get to that answer. Yes, People fortunately, unfortunately, aren't like that.
1: Far more nuanced. Yeah,
0: far more nuanced. Yeah, yeah. Even day-to-day, the same part. Po- and we, this is the kind of stuff we talk about in our programme.
1: Exactly so. right. Yeah. And our technical things don't change. They're quite consistent. And we can use that as a bit of a safety crutch. And psychologically, it's yeah. quite a nice place to be. It's very difficult to be a leader when you don't really know what you might encounter on that day. Mm. It's usually people-related, isn't it? And we've yeah. got to be able to adapt yeah. to those different situations and scenarios. Um, And I like that challenge. I like the journey it takes me on. And Mm. I like having that mindset or that background, rather, from where I came from. I find that useful when we talk with our L&D partners or if we're talking with their C-suite. I've been there, I've done that, and I can relate. And it's also quite handy when people are a bit daunted about this fluffy world of (laughs) L&D. It is daunting, but equally... We'll get you through it, yeah. Uh, and and with the right um, with the right support and the right you know, training and how to apply your learning, we can all do these things.
0: Which is what we're here to do. So, um, let's talk about Ask Ask Europe as an organisation. Mm. Um, we have around the room. We have our values, so they're up on the wall. We talk about there. them all the time. Tell me, tell me about the values and why they're important to you.
1: Well, yeah, values are always an interesting subject, aren't they? The, the, you know, almost on a daily basis, we get encountered with values with our clients. Um, They're interesting that values in themselves are fairly meaningless. I think if you canvassed 100, 200, 1,000 organisations, you'll see the same words repeating. And that's because there aren't really that many. You know, just be nice to each other, be kind. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and so we see those values of kindness and respect. You know, one of our values is respect, along with integrity attitude fun and quality that those are our five yeah it's what you do with them that matters. yeah now ours are important to us because they are they're the words that as a as a team as an organization we've decided resonate the most with us yeah and we've workshopped those many times over the years to make sure they're still relevant for us Mm -hmm. but it isn't about the words in themselves it's about okay what's underpinning those what's our competencies our values um and how we want to be each day. Yeah. And my desire is that the values leap off the page, so that as people join the organisation and go through Ask, they know exactly what it means to work here. Yeah. How things are done around here, and that's what values should be. Yeah. It's not enough for an organisation to have values and say, "Great, we've got our values." Yeah. Um, no, you have to design the not even the competencies it's got to go deeper than that it's got to be those day-to-day small things that you're doing living breathing so that everybody knows what is our culture how do we live and breathe how do we act Mm. but the starting point certainly is to get them up on the walls and yeah you know we talk about them then don't we all the time all the time yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I, i mean i've been working here as, a, as an employee for what, two two months now? Two months Well as
1: an employee, As yeah. an employee,
0: yes. As an associate for, I don't know. Forever. The forever, yeah. uh, well 12, 13 years. Um, and it is, uh, what's really interesting to me is like when we have our weekly catch ups, it's part of that yeah. conversation. I know I've worked with lots of organizations, or as you said, we create these values, they look great, you know, we, we, we'll we take them out to market when we're recruiting, they might be all over the front desk, and then they get filed away. Mm. And then people like me come in and go, okay, well, look, let's talk about the values or the competencies or the behaviours, and people go, I don't really know what it means, it's just words on a page. Yeah. But I love the fact that we talk about that, You know, in every meeting, in the conversations we have, we've got a board out in the office where, We've got, you know, what's your win this week? It, it's really bringing it to life for people, isn't
1: it? Well, we have to. Yeah, yeah it, it starts there, doesn't it? It starts with those those actions. And, and, and there are times when it can feel a bit contrived. But yeah. that's the only way that we create that culture where then it becomes not contrived. You know, the yeah. board you've just mentioned, that started life as something that was... A little bit forced to try and get people thinking, reflecting about their week. But now people just do it. Yeah. you know, you've seen. You know, I don't touch the thing anymore. The whole organisation. There, I've, I've, oh, I've got a, I've got a question I'd like to ask everybody. <laughs> yeah. What's your favourite book this week? You know, that, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but this is this is the steps that we have to be taking ourselves so that we can help our clients. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm mindful of a many years ago I was approached by a client, and this is not untypical. Um, but this was quite an extreme case, um, having some quite big problems, they were quite well documented, although we won't we won't mention who they are. Mm-hmm. And they said, but we've we've addressed all these issues that have been around for some time. We've developed our values, and they've produced some nice badges and they've right. got some values on some lanyards and some posters. Okay, great start. Yeah. And, said, and they said, but nothing's changed. Okay, right. you've got your values. What have you done with the values? And as you talk more, you realise, they haven't done anything. They, ah. they. It was an extreme case where yeah. they really did think, and I, and I don't say it to sort of be quite patronising, but they thought that just half a dozen words on paper and workshopping that with, with people would be enough. Yeah. It wasn't nearly enough. No. And then we created those competency frameworks and those, those behaviours. And behaviours are quite crucial, I feel. They've got to be actionable. Yeah. You, you, again, we see competency frameworks all the time, don't we? Yeah, and yeah. they end up with quite woolly phrases underneath. So you have a value of, of inclusivity. And then it will say, we treat each other with respect. Mm. OK, that's fine, but it doesn't tell anybody no. how to act or behave. And so I think your values, your competencies, have to really start to spell it out, and all of ours underneath our values really do really spell do it, out. it out. Yeah. But even then, they're only indicative, um, because otherwise, you want it to be a narrow field.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're not about creating clones, aren't we? to no. But it is, and that's I guess where the the leadership piece comes in, because we, uh, you know, central departments or HR or LD and D or whoever it might be can create this stuff, can, can work with the organisation to create this stuff, but we do need to bring it to life with behaviours, and that needs to be something that's cascaded through the management and yep. leadership teams.
1: And then uh, once, once you've got that, how are people going to live, breathe it, and mm. remember it? And there's a whole host of ways you can go about it. Our good friend Debbie Hans, who's a um, fabulous psychologist. You've known her far more years than I have. Um, big birthday for Deb this week. We won't uh, go into the detail, but happy birthday, Deb. Um, she is... <laughs> She's fa- going to love her. She that. will love <laughs> her. But she is fabulous. She will like this bit. At yeah. creating uh, competency frameworks that are living, breathing documents, and then creating those hooks. How are you going to remember this? And for us, um, we we have a playlist. And we yes. love our playlist, don't we? Our jukebox. Yes. So every one of our competencies... Uh, well, our values each have uh, two key competencies underneath them and then with a series of, of actionable statements yeah. that we can understand you know to to live this competency i must perform these these things um and we have a song that connects each one And that's our playlist. And everyone that joins the organisation gets to hear the playlist and we can all watch the videos and we play them regularly. Not like every day, that'd get tedious. Um, But I remember one uh, drunken evening with Deb designing our playlist. It's got a heavy 80s vibe about it. Of course it does, of course. But but it's really good fun. Mm. I mean, how often do you join an organisation and sit with the MD or another leader and, and wade through 10 absolute banging songs trying to guess (laughs) this is a rather tenuous link to your focus of uh, uh, client focus comes first but we've done it we have, yes. and and just so everyone gets a flavour of just how tenuous some of these links are, underneath our value of integrity uh, is is two core competencies, one of which is our client focus. Mm. Clients are first and foremost in our mind. They have to be. It's yeah. why we exist, it's what we do as an organisation, um, and part of being that that value of integrity is... Also, sometimes perhaps telling clients what isn't easy to say, yeah. but also acting with that honesty, that that uh, that.
0: Or walking away if that's the right thing to do. Or
1: perhaps walking yeah. away as we as we sometimes do. Yeah. Um, and so clients come first, first and foremost in our mind. You could even say they're always on our mind. Got you. Yeah. Wow. Got you. Yeah,
0: that is tenuous. Um, <laughs> so um, I would like to talk about, and I think it's really important that we talk about. Engage, learn, transfer. Okay. So, um, this is our methodology. Our what we think kind of sets us apart from other organisations out there, um, because it's not just training, right? So, no. so I wanted you to expand a little bit on what that means and why you think that's important.
1: Oh, big stuff again. I know. Oh, I know. Probably see
0: existential, right? Yeah, like a, yeah. The book. The reading list.
1: See, I don't think there's necessarily anything that we do that's that's that unique Mm. but I think the key there is that we're not a training company you know I don't think that's enough and why that's not enough is because if you're developing people you're learning new skills behaviors you've got to then apply those in consistent and meaningful ways into your organization yeah and that's the bit that makes the difference. Yeah. That's the bit that creates that long-term sustainability. It's good for the, for the learner, for the leader, the manager. It's good for the organisation. Yeah. But it's the bit that gets forgotten. Yeah. We know there's enough research out there, we've done plenty of our own, that such small numbers of people actually achieve success. If mm-hmm. you f- truly properly evaluate a training programme or, or a learning programme, as we would always want to... Then you'll see that less than twenty percent of people ever apply their learning in meaningful and impactful ways. Which
0: is shocking, right? It's
1: awful statistic. Yeah. I think it's kind of well known in the yeah. in the industry, but I yeah. think I think everybody shies away from it. I think the L and D manager, the the departments know this, but it's really hard to think about how can I create more value. Yeah, and the L and D providers. Our guys, we're not doing enough in the industry, and we want okay. to do something different. Yeah, engage, learn, transfer. Will seek to break that cycle. Yeah. Um, the number one reason why people fail in in applying their learning is not enough is done before and after the training intervention. Yeah. So that's where the engage, learn, transfer comes in. You have got to get all three parts right.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we're an industry that really understands that learn phase. We're brilliant at that. Yeah, yeah. If, if you speak with many of our partner organization and and, um, other providers out there we're all doing fairly pretty much the same stuff yeah tried and tested models that absolutely do work yeah but what are you doing before the intervention where's that focus and intentionality in the learners where's their intrinsic motivation to think i truly understand how my learning will connect to the organization my personal development to create impact in meaningful ways yeah is their line manager involved in the process? How many times do we see organizations <sighs> yeah. where their line manager isn't involved in the process?
0: Yeah. And it's and that becomes a real challenge then, because it could well be that, you know, the, the learner doesn't even know why they're there. And it's that is so tricky to deal with. Yeah. Um, and I think traditionally going back years, that has been one of the biggest Stumbling blocks like you said to actually getting people to to even just to engage at the start of a, a Learning intervention. So so the kind of things that we might do then is encouraging those conversations.
1: Yeah, oh, 100% Yeah, I, I mean the the by far the number one thing that everybody should be doing as standard is having a conversation with your line manager or Or investor stakeholder whoever that yeah. may be. Yeah. You, you have to feel that there is support And you have to understand clearly how your development will impact your organisation. How it will make life better for you and your company. If you haven't done that, then why are you doing the training intervention? Yeah. You shouldn't just be doing leadership development because you know it's a good thing to do. Of course we all know that. Yeah. But that's not in, you shouldn't be doing it for that reason. Mm. You, you 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 Well should... that's
0: not enough of a reason. Oh no. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You've got yeah. to you
1: look far deeper than that. Why do we need this? What are the gaps? What are the what are the things that we've identified? And there there may not be gaps. Um, yeah. sometimes you work with organizations that are doing really well and they know that they need to carry on doing the right leadership yeah. development to make sure they don't drop off and that yeah. they carry on carry on performing in the way that they've uh, become accustomed to. So because you know it only takes the smallest thing to knock you out of shape. Yeah. So there's so much that needs to be done before. But all of this is geared towards those things that you're talking about. We we, we want to set learners up to succeed, don't we? Yeah. You know, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We want to give them that confidence. <laughs> yeah. And yet, why would we expect them to turn up on on you know day one of a of a typical sort of facilitated workshop with very little interaction beforehand um, we may have done something like a psychometric analysis or we may have even had some sort of framing webinar to to kick them off but you got to do more you got you got to you got to really think about those developmental plans and so the learner knows as we've said I know why I'm here I know what I'm going to learn I'm probably aware of my own gaps and I'm going to learn some more as I go along but I'm absolutely clear of where I can probably apply some of my learning and how that's going to impact my organisation and that in turn will build their confidence, make them better leaders.
0: And I think that is so critical, particularly at the moment, although it seems to have been since like 2008, 2009, the conversations with clients about, you know, the the constraints, the, the pressures, we've been through a pandemic, we've come out of that into whatever the world is right now and that continual um challenge of doing more with less yes um and you know people's time is so pressurized if they're going to be coming along to a program we want to make sure that that is time well spent
1: oh yeah but that's the beauty of our approach yeah you know the days are long gone and rightly so of five day residential courses Mm. what other walk of life do we learn anything like that you wouldn't yeah. learn a musical instrument or, or, or a new language in that way. It's, it's crazy to think that that's yeah. how we used to develop <laughs> our leaders. Yeah. We'd sit them in a room for five days, probably with overnight stays, and we'd bombard them with leadership theory, send them on their way. Might and building
0: come. stuff out of string.
1: Building stuff out of string. Yeah. That's okay. I'm sure string still has its place. <laughs> yeah. Marshmallows and pasta all over the place. Yeah, but yeah, we, then, yeah. we send them away. We, we might get them back you know, in a month or two with an action-learning set. But, but what's in place... You know, yeah. How are we supporting them to that? So that where the cost-effective part comes in is that that early intervention, that facilitated section, that's your knowledge foundation, that's your base camp of your learning. That that should only ever be enough. Yeah. So what's the what's the need that we've identified in the organisation? We don't need to bombard them with days of theory.
0: No. Just that's to prove so. how clever we are and how much exactly. we know. Exactly. Yeah, we yeah. don't
1: learn anything. We don't. We learn a musical instrument. We, we we learn a small piece with a with tutor support. We go away. We practice. We reflect. We have success. We make mistakes, but most of the work is done away from our from our tutor. We yeah. then come back. We talk about it and we layer. And that's how leadership should be. Yeah. So for us, the bulk of the intervention for any leadership program should be once that knowledge foundation is in place. Now we're back into the workplace. So this is, this is still applying to those, you know, sort of 70, 20, 10 that's been around yeah. forever that no one's really applying correctly. But we're in the workplace in that informal learning environment, back on the job. Now we've got to set them up to succeed. And our role as a provider is to make sure that we are there giving people assignments, tasks, tasks. Um, check-ins and other things that they can do to apply their knowledge in meaningful ways on the job so no extra time commitment no we've we've trimmed down the initial uh, intervention with the facilitated time but when we're designing our programs by far the biggest bulk of our time and effort rightly should be in that learning transfer phase yeah that's where we're developing and practicing our skills Mm. hopefully in ever-increasing uh, complexity and ever increasing risk that we introduce so that we take the learners through that steady journey where they can that cruel walk run approach that we talk about. Yeah. Um building that confidence so we don't send them back into the workplace saying you're ready now to be a coach or whatever else, you know. That that isn't how <laughs> you know, again go lead. You don't, don't go do it. <laughs> you don't go to your first guitar <laughs> lesson and then get thrown on the stage as a virtuoso so, backing a band that that comes mm. after many years and that would be terrifying and yes, so it would yes, be it would. leadership however to practice at home by yourself and then with some peers and maybe your line manager and then and then finally you start to try these things out with your people that maybe report to you or other colleagues mm. that that's how we should also practice our leadership skills so that learning transfer phase is is extending that leadership journey out well beyond the facilitated yeah. time but with the right support in place and the right accountability mechanisms and all that important feedback, and that doesn't mean just us. No, no. All of that's got to be from the L&D managers. It's got to be absolutely from their line managers. Learners have to feel that there's a support network in place because they will have pitfalls and errors. There will be barriers that come along, um, and we can help identify those and eventually we get people to where we want to, which is that success and that business impact.
0: And that's where we're creating that psychological safety, I guess, across the program and beyond so that people can try stuff out. And sometimes it's the 1%, you know, the the marginal gains and trying out little bits, having different conversations so that it becomes just part of what they're doing rather than oh and now I need to lead or and now I need to manage yeah. it's all part
1: of if, yeah. you, if you're not doing it like we were talking at the outset about values if it's not part of your day to day and becomes ingrained in what you do mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen overnight that no. takes time yeah. um, then you'll never get there and always feel contrived oh I must remember to go and have a, 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 <laughs> a development catch up conversation <laughs> yeah. with one of my direct reports <laughs> this week and and no uh, you know, I'm yeah. sure in the early days that, that is kind of how it feels but then it just becomes natural yeah. and it builds that it's something. a conscious
0: competence right and Absolutely. then you're putting it into practice and yeah. it just becomes what you do um do you play a musical instrument i do what do you play i, I not <laughs> i didn't know this tell me what do you play
1: um i mostly play guitar hence do you? why i thought i'll go you i'll did? go guitar yeah. talking about it, that's safe ground for me yeah
0: i didn't know that yeah are you good
1: i'm a virtuoso are you yeah okay so
0: maybe on the next podcast we'll have you playing the guitar
1: or maybe we could uh we could Ditch the um, the 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 generic sound that we've bought to introduce no. The, the. No, it's no, good, isn't no, it? Yeah, I thought I could good. record no, uh, a <laughs> record a little five second. You uh, should do. I can remember what they're called.
0: A little jingle. That's right. Do a little jingle. Jingles or, or yeah. What called? yeah, yeah. No, I think we should. Yeah. Um. Any in terms of so I talked about like the the current context, the current climate. And and I guess one of the challenges for organisations like ours is that many many organisations, you know, when you're under financial pressure, the first thing that goes is the marketing budget and the L and D budget, mm. right? With with lack of long sighted thinking, what do you think are the particular challenges for us or, or for our industry right now? Oh,
1: another big question. Sorry. What what? What what do you think? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely
0: done. I well, um, I well. There is the there are the financial pressures, right? Yeah, and, every,
1: everybody wants more for less. Doesn't yes,
0: they? absolutely. And time, but I do also think that you know the the way we use technology through COVID and stuff has opened up mm. lots of opportunities. So we can do stuff remotely. We can be. I was talking to someone the other day. There was there was a day in COVID where I was training. Asia Pacific, Europe, and and the Americas in one day, which was oh, it turned out to be quite a long day. But it's, we can do that stuff now. So, yeah. um, I'm interested in. Well, I'm not I'm, actually. I'm not interested in, in AI and technology, but I know that there is. You know, it's it's something that potentially could be seen as a challenge.
1: AI, perhaps. But let let let's pick up on your point there about that you know, technology being able to break down the barriers. You'll know, I was banging on about this stuff for years. Yeah, yeah. I never understood why the industry wasn't embracing virtual learning more, or why yeah. this insistence that we must be in a class. Um, the pandemic has been awful for many people. Yeah. But for the L&D world, it's probably been quite good in that it's changed our perceptions yeah. and, and shifted us forward a bit. Let's think again about what are we trying to achieve through a leadership programme, a, a typical programme, and what are the parts that make that up? And we talked about the importance of, of engagement at the early. That That's yeah. where we're getting people to really commit to that leadership journey. We're getting them to think about all those things we talked about earlier. Our facilitated sessions is where we're building that knowledge foundation. Yeah. So where we're, we're feeding off our guitar tutor, for example. <laughs> that's not where we create the most impact. That's mm. done in that learning transfer phase. Yeah. That's done when we're back on the job. That's not facilitated. We shouldn't be striving within a classroom environment to nail all of those yeah. different elements. Yeah. And that's the mistake that we're making, yeah. to think that it all has to be down to facilitated time, classroom based. So if we, if we readjust our thinking and realize that actually knowledge, skills, and attitude is built from the facilitated time, yeah. learning some new behaviors, learning some new models, well, that can be done anyway, it mm-hmm. doesn't need to be complex. So it can be done virtually. There are absolutely good reasons why we might want to bring people together. Yeah. But knowledge foundation is not one of them. No. That's a whole. That's a whole host of other areas, yeah, yeah, such yeah. as our our peer groups and 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 that motivation and that accountability we're talking about. And the trust, and, if that's and, needed. And, and absolutely, yeah. 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 And and also that confidence building. Yeah. Those are the knock-on effects we have from being together, but absolutely not building that knowledge so why are we striving to do it in classroom based environments that's yeah. that's causing headaches for the industry i want to make sure that we look after our people you know mm. i don't want to be sending you guys and our consultants on trains and cars for 3 hours when no. you can sit comfortably at home and you know, so there's lots yeah. of good reasons there's all, there are still good reasons to be in a class yeah. and absolutely you know there's a place for that but if we as shift the thought process around a leadership program and acknowledge that it's the learning transfer phase where the really good stuff is done, we put our time and energy in that. Yeah. We said earlier that, um, you know, it's well known that less than 20% of people will have success from traditional training because they're not applying engaged learn transfer. We will see more like 70, 80%. Mm. And we know that works. Yeah. We, you know, we measure that stuff yeah, because yeah. we're there and we're there for three, six, 12 months. Yeah. Um, I was going to say after the intervention, but that's me slipping back into that habit of assuming that the facilitated time. And it's not to say that there aren't still facilitators along that journey, but it's much more of that support. I liken it climbing a mountain. You know, I I use that terminology a lot. Your knowledge foundation is your base camp. You haven't even begun to scale the mountain at this point. You Mm -hmm. are merely learning all the skills you need to get to the top. Now, when you're back on the job, that's the bit where you've got your ropes and your pickaxes. You are going to fall. At some mm. point, that's where we come in as, as providers to make sure we're there. There will be pitfalls and barriers. There will be those boulders that will come and get you. Um, it could be The time. mountain goats. It could be mountain goats. I think it should be mountain I, goats. I think it's probably more like boulders, but mountain goats on uh, Pyrenees. But that's, again, that's where a good provider will have enough checks and balances in place to identify those performance barriers at an early stage. Yeah. I didn't have time, it it, it isn't time, it's always a confidence thing or it's something else or it means I'm not being supported by my manager or I didn't understand what I was told. That's okay, We, we can identify those at early stages. Now we're starting to move up the mountain through practicing our skills. And we are there every step of the way, like a good Sherpa. Uh, and uh, and we and we all get to the top together. Yeah. The learner still does it by themselves. They've still climbed that mountain, but we're there, we're there as a guide. Them. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, I think that's the bit where too many providers in our industry, they're, they're, they're walking away after that facilitated session. They're saying, good luck. It might be some mm. coaching in place. It's not enough. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's gotta be a more sustained package. And that's how we get people from 20% success through to 70,
0: 80. Okay. Final question. Hardest question. What's your favourite song to play on the guitar? I
1: hadn't thought about that because that's... uh, What is my favourite song to play on the guitar? Yeah, I didn't warn you about
0: that question, did I? No. Because I didn't know you played the guitar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've got a few. I'm laughing because we were away at the weekend, a bunch of friends. We meet up a couple of times a year. In fact... uh, their friends who are extraordinarily talented at podcasts, albeit in a, in a very different field to L and D. Do you remember many years ago when the uh, the, the the snooker on TV used to have a very famous guitar theme intro? They've they've changed it now into a more modern take. Right. It was one of the first things I ever learned. It's got a couple of nice things to do yeah. with when you're playing the guitar. A couple of nice little little runs and little pull offs and things, which is
0: Technical, like... you're getting too technical. It's got some
1: nice stuff. Anyway, yeah. I learned it quite young uh, and I always enjoy playing it because it's it's quite nice to practice and warm It has a very range of techniques. Yeah. And it's quite recognizable. Um and uh we were away at the weekend and some friends had a guitar there, and, and someone gave me a guitar and said, Oh, you play something. And rather than just start playing for some bizarre reason, I tried to tee this up and said, Um, so is uh did anyone be watching the snooker? <laughs> <laughs>
0: just play the guitar
1: and, and they started playing it <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah I, I got rightly I was mercilessly teased for like why are you trying to like literally intro your own song? I don't know why I'm doing this um, so, uh, uh, so have you been watching the sneaker? And no. I, I haven't got a guitar. If I had, no. if, if if yeah,
0: uh, that, that would be the perfect yeah. You can well, play us out, couldn't you? You
1: know, we as an organisation have long based our leadership theories um, on David Brent, and I really should have a guitar. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't, I haven't got a guitar in the corner at all times, just all in right. case.
0: Next meeting, next meeting.
1: Get the guitar yeah. guys Get the guitar. Yeah.
0: Um, I want to say thank you very much, Alex, for your time. Very well. um and that's unlocking your potential with I